In the following live session recording, Rodney Agan, founder and CEO of the Connexus Group, will talk about busting barriers in your personal leadership and ministry potential. In this session, Rodney Agan brings practical, straightforward ideas and solutions that can help you and your organization to get off the plateau you're on so you can realize your potential. Let's join Rodney now. Well, all that being said, we're going to go ahead and start then. And uh, at the close, we're going to do a drawing. And we're going to give away, I have, I have three devotionals. I don't know if you've seen these. There's a nice letter that this 50-something pastors have written this. And uh, this one's called Torched by the Truth. So I'm going to give these three people to get those. And then we also, uh, I have Launching Forward Leadership Academy. It's just... Some, you do some videos and you work through growing yourself as a leader at your own pace. And it's like 30 bucks a month to do that. But I'm going to give away to one person a free year of that. So if you get the drawing for that, you're going to get a free year of launching forward. Okay? If you choose not to use it, maybe you got a pastor or a friend or a spouse or anybody. So we'll do that. Sounds good? Okay. As I said, Dan works with the church side and is helping me in, in a lot of those ways uh, so he'll be probably your contact if you decide to do anything and want to use anything or if we can just help you we're not here we're here to serve that's that's the main thing we want to do for the church so we're going to be talking about busting barriers your personal and ministry life and really helping us to think about what are some lids that we're hitting uh, how many of you understand what it means to hit a lid, <laughs> hit a ceiling, hit a, you know, where do I go from here, what do I do? And if you want to go to another level, there has to be a different version of what you've been doing. It's just the bottom line. And so we want to talk a little bit about that. But I want to ask you first, have you ever felt this way? You know, kind of, can you see this okay? It's a little, it's not real dark, or not real, but can you see okay? All right. So have you ever felt this way? In a church, how many of you are doing more than one thing? <laughs> Pretty much everybody's alive, right? All right. If you're going to a church and you're only doing one thing, I want to join your church. <laughs> you got an awesome church. It's a pretty cool church. Uh, so everywhere we go, every, whatever we do, we, we wind up doing obviously more than we think. But, so I want you to think about the culture of your church. Think about the culture of of how you are organized and, and what's happening. Are things, uh, are things being done in the, the way where people are serving in the way they're gifted and wired and all those kind of things? So talk to me. We're gonna, this is interactive, okay? So when you see this closet, what are some things that comes to mind? Organized? Rich? Rich? <laughs> there you go. There you go. And what? Administrative. It's administrative. What would you say? Color coordinated. Color coordinated. Childless. <laughs> Childless. <laughs> there you go. So, when you think about this closet, there's been a lot of a lot of thought put into it. There's organization for a purpose. They didn't just throw things in. There was a lot of thought put into it. But when you see this closet, what do you think about? They're the ones that have the children. Yeah, that's right. These are with the children. So, 
How do you think it went from this to this? If these were this, they're not the same, but let's just right. pretend they are. What would have happened to change it from this to that? What are some things? The grandkids. Grandkids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Laziness. Laziness. Busyness. 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 Not having a plan. Not having a plan. Changing priorities. Yeah. Somewhere along the way, this got laundered, and they said, I don't have time to put it back, but I'll get to it soon. Have you all done that? Yes. And then the next thing you know, it's like, oh my goodness, here we are. And now it's overwhelming. So now it, it's harder to move than, than we realize. Here's the key thing. If you've never seen this closet, this one doesn't look bad. <laughs> right? Perception. So, yeah, perception is reality. So you look at that and you think, well, I got a walk-in closet. At least it's not a, you know, I got two little doors. I got a great closet. But if you see this, you come back and go, oh my goodness, I, I had no clue, I had no idea. We're not even aware, many times, and think of it from a ministry, ministry perspective, we're not even aware of how others are viewing us and how others view our church. We're not even aware of how tense we are sometimes or how busy we look or how unorganized because we're used to it. Even coming in our facilities a lot of times, we know where we're going, we know what we're doing, but everybody else knew don't. And so it's, it's reality. I want you to watch this. We call it, you may have seen this, but it's called the awareness test. I want to see how aware you really are. How aware are you of the surroundings in your church, in your life, and those kind of things. So watch the this awareness test. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? How many did you count? The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? your church for longer than five years? How many have been in the ministry longer than ten years? When you, when you think about the things that you are not even aware of anymore, you don't even notice, you don't even realize, or things that has bothered you and has, has limited you, and you finally just accept it and just go, well, that's just the way it is and it can't change. But that's not necessarily true. Now, when we think about pastors and leaders, and I talk to them all the time, hard Unfortunately, hardly Sunday night goes by or a Monday that I don't get a call from a couple of guys going, hey, you got time to talk, you know, and, and I love to do that because that's my passion. But we want to change that. That shouldn't have to be. And, and hopefully some changes could, make, could take place. But I hear things like this, you know, I'm, I'm losing sleep. Man, I'm just, the tension is overwhelmingly uh, frustration. Overwhelmed, loss of vision. I'm, I'm, now I'm, I thought I had clear vision. Now I don't. I don't. I'm, I don't know what's going on here. Pressure to produce. Well, we're running in this big time. Everybody is judging themselves against everybody else instead of against the Bible sometimes. Uh, and then, boy, I hear that one. Am I done here? Oftentimes, it's not that God's done. It's that we've hit the ceiling. Mm 
Now, this is not just for pastors. This is for <coughs> ministry leaders and people as well. And we run into this all the time. We know what the Pareto rule is, the 20-80, you know, 20% doing 80% of the work and all that kind of thing. Here's what I think when I, when I think about that is the 20% are tired. <laughs> They're overwhelmed. The 20% are going, I'm tired of picking up after you, kind of like my mom would say, you know. Mm-hmm. My wife, I'm tired, you know, to the children. Pick up, dude. We're tired. They're overwhelmed. They even begin to get to a point of, of burnout. And the 80% are under-inspired. Here's where, where we are with a lot of the 80%. If you ask a lot of people in, in, in the church, are you doing ministry? They go, yeah, I tithe every week, and we've hired, we've hired staff to do that. That's what we pay them. They, they do ministry. We've not inspired them to see how God has wired and gifted and called them. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the trends we see now is less staff, less paid staff, more volunteerism, and it should be. We, we need to, not, not that we don't need staff, but we need to engage people in things that they're passionate about doing because that allows the leaders to also have more time. It allows you to do the things you're, you're passionate about doing as well. Let me ask you this question. If your church, church ceased to exist tomorrow, what would your community lose? Think about, and, and, and I would even say, I wonder if there are things that your church is called to do and has been given the opportunity to do that nobody else around is even doing. I was asking a church, I use it sometimes, I'll say, like, uh, you know, how many of you have a large Czechoslovakian community close to you? And nobody ever does. And I go, then God may not be wanting you to start a Czechoslovakian ministry. <laughs> but what's happened in most of our churches, and a lot of them, is the Smiths, I hope nobody's named Smith. So the Smiths come to our church. Your name's Smith. See, he's the problem. He's the problem. I'll put the, there, I got the laser pointer on him. So he's the problem. So the Smiths come to our church, and at their previous church, there was a Czechoslovakian ministry, and they loved it. So they come here, and they want to start one in our church. Well, they start one. They're all passionate about it. And then about two years later, when they can't find any Czechoslovakians, God leads them to another church. The problem is, we still have the Czechoslovakian ministry to run. Now I've added that onto my list. Whether or not, now I asked that question one day, this is no joke, and a pastor raised his hand, he said, we have a Czechoslovakian minister. We have a huge crowd, right? I'm like, well then, you probably need a Czechoslovakian ministry, you know? So, when you think about the life cycle of a church, and you could go different ways on this, but oftentimes there's the launch, momentum, Strategic. Once you get to, to a certain amount of people, you've got to get more strategic, obviously. You've got to start thinking of systems and processes, sustained health. But somewhere in here, we get complacent, or we get burned out, or we get overwhelmed, or we get used to what we're doing. Oftentimes, what we see, too, is we revert back to what used to work, and it may or may not be today. And so there comes this, this momentum shift from what we call a mission-driven to a maintenance-driven. Now it's more inward. And what does that do to the leaders? You just get overwhelmed. You can't go to enough, you can't keep enough Baptists happy <laughs> when that's going on. You're going to be running yourself ragged. Uh, I, I talked to a pastor recently, and he said, I said, how's it going? He said, I've been here three years. And he said, the worst thing I ever did was, when I got here, I gave everybody my cell phone. <laughs> I said so he said so it rings all the time you know whatever uh, and I'm not saying you should or shouldn't do that that's up to you but what are you going to do 
And where are you? And I don't want you to think out loud or talk out loud to me, but I want you in your mind to say where you think you are in this process. Now, obviously, if you start getting into maintenance mode, you can recover, but it's going to be hard. But when you're getting down into preservation, life support, it's just about mission critical. It's about over. There has to be a whole something totally new. So there has to be another paradigm. You have to start thinking about things in a different way. Uh, we were talking this morning, my wife and I, about, I mean, I remember growing up when we went, my dad was a pastor for over 50 years. They never locked the church. We'd walk in out whenever we wanted to, you know. You didn't think about any of that kind of stuff. I, we were talking about even, not going to get into this issue, but 40 years ago in the high school, every truck in the parking lot had a gun rack with rifles on it. And the doors were unlocked. And it was all fine. But we're in a different day today. Things are different. And the gospel hasn't changed. We have to look at things from a ministry standpoint and how we do. And so how do you make changes? There's three times when you really find that people are ready to change. They really want change. And this, this is them. When they've had enough, I'm just up to here. We've got to change this. Something's got to happen. Or when we've heard it enough. Sometimes it's simply you've got to keep sharing vision. You know, if you're, if you're the vision, you know, you're the pastor and you're sharing vision, you just got to keep, if God's laid that in your heart, you've got to keep sharing it. You've got to keep sharing it till, till he breaks through what has to happen. But then when you've hurt enough. And unfortunately, most of the time, this is where we finally have to see change happen. He and I were talking about a, a ministry leader we know, and I won't, and won't name the name, and I won't even tell you what all is going on, but it's just a massive thing that he's doing. And pretty well, my question to him was, you just told me all the ministry you're about to be doing. Not one time did you talk about, where's your wife in this? Where's your children's time? Where's your, where's your family time? Where's your recoup time? Nobody can handle but so much, right? And so you have to hurt enough. So I want to talk just for a moment about busting barriers. Now we think about, you know, maybe you're here, and this could be your personal life, it could be your ministry. You're here and you want to get there. You know, obviously we think, boy, if I could just get there. I hear young guys going, man, I pastor church, it's only this size, but if I just had one that size, wow. And obviously we know how that goes. The more people you got, the more problems, problems you got. If you have 500 people, you got 1,000 problems now. So. Uh, so what do we do when we look at these areas, though, of growth? And we need to be on a growth path. The, the, the main end goal is not to be the big church, but it's to be the healthy church. It's to be the, the, what God has made you, where he's planted you, right? So we're down here, and we're looking up here, and we're thinking, what, what needs to happen? What is preventing me from going from here to there, from there to there? And this little area here... I call, first of all, the obstacles. And we're going to talk about this a little bit deeper here for a minute. There's something keeping me from here to there. Something is preventing me from here to there. When I was pastoring, and uh, this has been back in the late 90s, and we took an old downtown church and it just revitalized it. We're growing, and I mean, things were happening, and, and we were just all excited. And I was in my office one day and knocked on the door, and it was this one of my older deacons. And I said, hey, how you doing? He said, Come out here with me. Kind of like that. I was like, oh boy, here we go. And uh, we, he got his cane and we headed down the hall. And he said, see these halls? See these walls? I said, yeah. This is what he said. 
He said, look at all the handprints and dirt on them walls. He said, we painted them walls just three years ago. And look at all the... And there wasn't hardly any kids when we first came there. Now there was kids everywhere. And I, and I was probably young. Y'all ever done things you thought that was young and dumb? You know? What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, when you're young and dumb, you just say whatever. I said... I apologize. I'm, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I didn't ask the right question. When I came here, I didn't know that this was a museum. <laughs> I thought it was a ministry center. Uh, and I said, as long as I'm here, if we have to paint the walls every third Sunday or Monday, that's, that'd be a good thing. We're going to have dirt on the walls because that means there's people, there's life. Well, there were obstacles that I found out I had to overcome. Found out real quick I had to overcome. <laughs> We've all been there. And then there are also opportunities. We often face, we, we spend our time on the obstacles and we miss the opportunities when we get laser focused on only the negative. Yeah. And we miss God doing awesome, awesome things in the positive. So when you think about looking, I don't care where you get, if you're here, you're going to want to get there. If you've got any kind of passion in you at all as a person or as a leader, you're going to want to grow. If you're not, you've got other issues, right? And then when we get here, we want to grow to there. We should always be wanting to, but in every, op- in every t- place, there's going to be another set of opportunities and obstacles. You never get a ceiling without having to do something to bust through it. If it was easy, anybody could do it. So, I want you to think about for a minute. This is just with you, and I'd like to I'd like to hear your your take on this. Tell me some. Let's talk about what are I'm doing this backwards here. Let me hit that. What are some obstacles that I'm not saying you got to tell me personally in your church, but in general, I don't want to know your dirty laundry. But in general, what are some obstacles that we often see in churches today? Traditions. Traditions. What else? People. People. It'd be awesome ministry without them, wouldn't it? <laughs> Somebody else. Money. What? Money. 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 Yeah. Control. Yeah. I call it family owned and operated. Well. I'm sorry. We are recording this, aren't we? Let's back up. <laughs> All right. Somebody else. What's another option? Manpower. The what? Manpower. Manpower, which is kind of control, probably. Oh, you mean like, yeah. The yeah, you're right. I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah. So, people, those problems, maybe. <laughs> Here would be maybe our worker, people, workers. Volunteers, yeah. I don't really like to say volunteers because I'm a Georgia fan. Facilities. That's right. I got two Notre Dame tickets I'm getting ready to sell. I got four tickets, and I got two of them. The jokers are $1,500 for two tickets. Can you believe that? That's a whole other thing. We're recording this, aren't we? Okay, anybody, anybody else? Obstacles? Any legal problems? Especially if the community doesn't necessarily support you all the way. Legal problems. Le- legal? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sure. Like somebody mentioned facilities. Facilities. Yeah. Anybody else? Time. Time? Yeah. To do all the things, yeah. The culture. Wow. So, just looking at this list, 
Could that not overwhelm you if you just looked at it? But at the same time, God is a God of miracles. I've seen God do some mighty things. So, these are obstacles. Let's talk about opportunities. We're living in a different day. I hear things like that. I understand it. But what opportunities do we see facing and and coming to the church that we need to be thinking about and taking advantage of? Technology. Technology. Good. What else? People. People? No, that's good. You're right. People are more educated than they've ever been, too. Diversity is not necessarily a good thing. Would diversity fall on the people or just diversity? No, that's good. Yeah, the the church is definitely seeing an opportunity here. That's really good. They have money back because I think people are making more money than they ever have before. That's right. They're not giving it, but they're making it. Yeah. Opportunities. Opposite of tradition, a new way or a, mm-hmm. a better way or maybe something that fits better in their day, works better in their day, a new way of doing it. That's a type of paradigm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and actually we're seeing a lot more people accepting the new paradigm. <clears throat> that paradigm I told a while ago, uh, there's a lot more people realizing. Mm-hmm. I had some some elderly people said, to me, they said, you know, some of the things that you're wanting to do is not anything that we like, but what we found out is you're reaching our grandkids. Yeah. So I'm willing to accept it. That's good. Right. The uh, youth, let's say, movement, or global expansion, plugging into the uh, young youth. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, one thing, and I'll, I'll add something here too, is global mission opportunities. Man, we're seeing ways to reach unreached people groups and things now that we didn't even know about 10 years ago. This is a massive opportunity. Anybody else? I see a hunger for truth. Wow, that's good. Let me interject for a second here. Uh, there's a uh, professor of engineering at Auburn University who went to a lecture a couple of weeks ago, and they spent an enormous amount of money trying to figure out how to reach this next generation because they were just struggling with that. And they're excited because they're looking at the fact that these this young generation, he said, we learned that they just want to know what the truth is as long as you can show it to them. Wow. And they are just, they'll eat it up. Because they're not buying into the previous generation. Everything's kind of fluid. They grew, they've grown up in that. And they're sitting there going, no, we want to know what the truth is. So we have a huge opportunity of reaching this next generation that we missed with the previous one. One of the things playing off of that that we talk about to a lot of churches is are having a hard time meeting budgets and things with the millennials. and you know They don't want to tithe on a regular, consistent basis the way the, gen, the uh, baby boomers did. So you have to look at your budget and start going, what about, what are some things that we need done in the budget that are project-based? That if I threw this out, we need $12,000 for this, the millennials will be like all over it. They'd give the money right then. 
They might not give anything next week, but they give it for that. Well, you just help meet a line item in the budget by making it a project. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you have to think like that. They really want to see, because what they love to see is starting completion. A lot of things that we've done in churches forever has been start, and it's been running for 18 years, you know, and we don't know when the end's going to start. Uh, you know, some churches have been doing giving campaigns since 1968. They still get on that giving campaign, whatever. So the point is, when you look at these, and this is what I want to get you to thinking, there's not one thing on here that if handled in the right way could not be a tremendous asset to you and your church to make you move to another level if it's handled right. If you find out how God is moving in that. Is that right? Would that be true? So instead of looking at obstacles as roadblocks, you got to look at and go, if I could find how this obstacle could turn into an opportunity, I turn this into the next level for us. Now, now we turn into, uh, into being and doing something that is going to make a difference. And I'm using the very thing the devil's tried to stop us with to be the tool to use it to go forward. It is kind of neat that some of these are on the same, same things. Some things we see as barriers, but they're just a, a, just a small obstacle if we dealt with it, right? Anybody else have any comment on that you'd like to bring up on, on the obstacles opportunities? Ronnie, yes, I idea you talk about these kind of things like um, reaching this next generation. Yeah, they don't have strong discipleship in their background, but they also don't come cluttered yes. with religious stuff that we have to take out. Mm-hmm. That's right. So that's exactly. an obstacle. It's also an opportunity. Yeah. They don't have baggage. Right. That's, yeah, that's right. I saw a thing on Facebook this morning, and it was a little picture of little stick drawings of like four churches, and there was a little just hundreds of little stick drawings of people like they were running, and it was a blimp over one church that said, "God is now here," <laughs> and they're all running to that church now. You know, <laughs> you don't see that so much from the, the Gen X, Y, Z. They're they want to settle, but they need to know it's something worth settling to. Good. So, let's think about when you look at these, how do you deal with them? Now, as a young pastor, everything I had was a sledgehammer. <laughs> Just bust it up and let God pull it all out. He'll work it out, you know. Let Him sort it out in the end. That's not the way it necessarily works best. So, let me show you these three things. Some things just require a tweak. That's a simple adjustment to bring you back on course. If I just tighten that screw a little bit, loosen that up, put a little WD-40, you know. So it could be that if I simply moved the right person into that role. I have a good ministry with the wrong person leading it, or vice versa. Uh, or I have, you know, from this, maybe maybe I'm, I'm not showing where the money's going well enough. I need to give more, you know, transparency. I need to give more reason why. There, there's so many things when you look at these that are not something that has to be life-shattering and earth-shaking and tear the church up over. You just need to take the wrench and make a tweak. The second one is sometimes you have to make a pivot. Now, a pivot is a strategic shift. It's strategic shifts that produce more effective outcomes. So think of a pivot as a 90-degree turn. You've had to, you're on a different road, a different path. You've now made, it could just be enough that we're, we're starting... I had a a pastor years ago told me, he said, always find ways in your church to keep small changes happening. Like he said, we moved Sunday school five minutes. Just because we had to have more time to move everybody around, whatever. 
And maybe it might just be just little, every now and then little changes because the church then began to understand the culture of a change, what a change was. When I had to make a bigger change, they kind of understood what change was. I know that's kind of a simple thing, but I'm just trying to make a point. Sometimes there's a tweak, sometimes it's a, a pivot, and then sometimes it's a makeover. The makeover is a significant turnaround that brings completely different outcomes. Now, obviously, you better know God's in that one. <laughs> uh, we know that. But when you start making uh, or going to a makeover, now you started probably a different paradigm, as we talked about earlier. You started thinking about something that if we don't make this change, what's it going to cost us? Uh, I had, in one of our changes, one of our deacons one day came to me and he said, he said, I know this is hard on you, and I know this has been tough, and, and some people probably don't like this, and we're probably going to lose a few people with this. But he said, I was just sitting here thinking, if we lose 20 or 30 people over this, if we don't make this change, what about those thousands we'll never meet? Wow, just put it into perspective. It helped me to understand. Not that you're just into the, the numbers, but is this something that we're going to reach more people, and it's, and it's effective, and it should happen? And if it is, and if God... That, you know, we got to do that. Sometimes we do this in our own lives. You know, you just need a tweak, you need a pivot, or you need to make over. So one of the things that we love to do coming in, working, and helping you think about in a church is, what is the vision? What does God place in the heart of the leadership? Where are you going? Where, where's God really starting to move? How is this happening? And from that, how is the congregation Gifted. What is the giftedness? I believe that if God has placed you in, an, in a community and given you a church and he's birthed that church, then he's going to gift what he wants done in that church if you're obedient. Would that be a fair statement? And so he, he equips the body of Christ. And oftentimes we have them sitting right on our pew, our chairs, and we don't even realize it. I, I, I know a pastor of a, of a mega church. And I know a guy who I work with his company uh, from the, he's a CEO of a, like an $8 billion company. And this guy makes mega, mega money. He'll make more this year than I'll probably make my life kind of thing. I mean, this guy's making some mega money. And I'm talking to him about his church. And I said, yeah, I know your pastor. He's a great guy. And he said, I've been going there like eight years. He said, I've never got to actually meet him except I shook his hand one time. And I was like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> And I, I called a pastor. I said, you got a guy you might need to go meet. And he's sitting in your chair every single Sunday. And uh, he, obviously he has now. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, I just wonder sometimes, do we even know what all God has gifted us? Their unwrapped presence sitting in our pews and chairs and we don't even know. So the third part of that is, what are the community and world needs that's connected to us? This is that Czechoslovakian ministry. If God's put one of those around us, that's a need near me. So if you're in a college town, you probably need to be thinking about a college ministry. But if you're not in a college town, you may have a ministry, but it won't be as big or as focused as one near a college campus. Those kind of things. What are the, the needs of the community? And so then that brings you to the center, which is, should be your ministry focus. If you're going to really move forward dealing with these things, you've got to have a clear focus of what you need to work on. Why would you want to work on something and spend the, the 
political capital, if you will, in the church and the, the, the money capital and all the time, and it be something that's not even going to effectively be in the vision of where you're going. So that, it takes clarity. You've got to know that. And understanding a, a ministry uh, focus. So I want, to, I want to stop there just for a minute. And just, I want to hear some, a little bit of feedback for a minute. What, when you, what are some of the, and we're not done yet, but what are some takeaways when you're thinking about ministry uh, that we should be thinking about when you're looking at this paradigm? Are there, do any of you guys have a specific, maybe really God's called your church to reach a specific thing or do something specific that may be a little unique right now? Any, that's kind of, is that a weird question? Anybody doing things, something that you'd say, that's kind of really our, God's focusing our ministry in a particular area or way? Special needs ministry. Wow. Our autistic kids having a, a it, it's not groundbreaking, I mean, but for us. Sure. A buddy program, and it's yeah. been amazingly received by the families who otherwise would never have come wow. to church. That's phenomenal. That's good for others to hear that too. Yeah. You have a pastor who looking forward and seeing that the church of the future, almost the church now, lies in the hands of the youth. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have good foundation in the youth, there's a chance you're going to lose them. The world is trying to get them all the time. Sure. So our pastor dedicates uh, giving Sundays for the youth to just, let's just say it this way, take over yeah. and do it their way. Mm-hmm. It's an ongoing thing to have a youth church. Youth yeah. They do youth things, outings, and uh, in-house things. A lot of plays and skits, dramatized mm-hmm. the needs. We're finding a lot of suicides, mm-hmm. a lot of not knowing what gender you are. Yeah. Question that they had. Yeah. Like the rich man in the church that the pastor didn't meet. Mm-hmm. If you don't know or make a, uh, provide a way of doing ministry focus, of your people, your mm-hmm. resources, the yeah. gifts God has put in the church, in your people, you're going to lose them. So he dedicates a lot to people. That's good. That's awesome. Yes, sir. A, a potential ministry towards parents of children who are making these poor choices and the parents are too ashamed and embarrassed wow. to reach out. That's good. Wow. I don't know if I've heard that put that way before in ministry. That's good. Anybody else? Anything that's kind of maybe a unique ministry focus? What we're looking at is there's a lot of unemployment in our community at Stone Mountain, so we're mm. trying to start helping them how to do a resume, how to that's dress. Great. We're starting a, not a clothes closet, but you come get one suit or one nice dress yeah. to go do a resume, uh, do an interview, interview, how to do an interview. That's great. We're trying to help them get some jobs. In Do you see more of a community focus in our churches now than we used to have? And a lot of it is right under our door and we don't even see it. That's the point I'm making. A lot of obstacles are opportunities. We see them as obstacles, but they're really opportunities God has placed there. I got real crazy one time when I was doing, uh, I was preaching, and I was preaching on something like this years ago, and we had like seven or eight sections, you know, two, three, four, and then two, three sections back there. So I took this middle section 
and I, I brought about 50 people. I said, just circle and look at this. They're all in a circle, and they're all looking at these people sitting around this, this I don't know, maybe 100 people, but it was around a big circle. And I, I brought the uh, one of those mascots. It's like the eagle mascot. It's a big old head of an eagle. And I had a guy in our church. I said, I want you to put that head on. I want you to just come in and walk down and sit down in the church. And he, he walked down probably eight or ten rows and sat down. Everybody around him was like, what in the world? You know, what, what's going on? And the point was, at the, at the end of my illustration, I asked everybody holding hands, I said, have any of you noticed anything that's changed or anything's happened in the auditorium in the last five minutes? Not one person saw it. Because no. they were all focused on those people. They thought, we're supposed to be watching all these people in this middle section right here, and they all missed this. And that's my point. How many opportunities is God putting right in the middle of us, and we don't even see it? We see it as an obstacle. I can't do that. That's pretty good. Anybody else have a ministry focus? Something unique? We have okay. an after school program at the elementary school back behind our church. Yeah. And uh, we have volunteers that go and minister uh, to the children there. After That's the, great. After the school's up. Uh, I belong to First Baptist Snellville. We just did something I've never heard of before, but. We, we were looking for a student pastor, and we hired two. And what we did was, one is our main student pastor that does the typical student pastor role, but the other one is our student outreach pastor. And his whole job is to be in the schools all day, every day. Just, that's all he does. I mean, he, he walks in, and there's like 20 football players with him. He walks in, there's cheerleaders, there's volleyball players. There's, he's just, that's all he does. That's kind of cool. I never put it that way, but I think it's working out really good. It's a unique, different way to do it. So, and I'm not turning this into sales. I'm just trying to teach you because you may can do this on your own. But I want you to think about some of the ways that we, what we try to focus on at work. We have a database called Ministry Imprint. But everybody in the church gets a link. And it takes you through a process. So there's like skills. Do you realize they can check? Do you realize how many skills you have in your church that you're probably outsourcing? You're paying people to do that if you knew that people in the church would do if you just somebody asked them. Uh, I like to paint. I like to whatever. I'm an electrician. I'm a, I had a guy, we were building sets, trying to get our staff to build sets and do things kind of with the, the uh, sermon series. And I had a guy that worked for HGTV and he built the sets that they would photograph and do for magazines and all this kind of stuff. And here we were, we had people didn't even know what they're doing trying to figure out how to do this. And he walks up one day and says, well, if I could ever be used, I'd be glad to help. I'm like, good Lord. And I got a guy here with a PhD and that and I'm 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 using a GED guy to build sets, you know. I'm kind of being a little facetious here, but you get the you get the point. And then experience. What kind of experience does your people have? Some people are. Let's say you want to pull up your database. I'm looking for CDL drivers. If they've clicked CDL, all of a sudden twelve names pops up. Now I'm not trying to ask how many, how many of you have either done it or got tired of it in the pulpit. How many? I need 12 people. How many? Come on. I need, you know, it's kind of hard to get that done that way. And then passions. Uh, what are they passionate about? If we're going to start a ministry and we're passionate believing God's called us as a unique opportunity or obstacle, I can go in there and see everybody that's clicked anything they're passionate about. And if it aligns with that ministry, that's a great way to find that out. And then spiritual gifts. Uh, obviously, we know what spiritual gifts does, but how, if you have a piece of paper or your notebook, I want everybody to do this just for a minute, okay? Take a pen, and if you've got a piece of paper anywhere around you, I want, to, I want you to do something quick for me. You're going to, 
You're going to understand. This will help illustrate it. Okay? So somewhere on a piece of paper, just write your first and last name. You're not going to show this to anybody or give it to me. I'm just using it as illustration. Just write your first and last name. All right? Now take your pen and move it to your other hand and write your first and last name. <laughs> if you're ambidextrous, we don't even like you. So I'm just kidding. So what are some things different about the two? What else is different about the two? Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable? Were you slower at the second one? Yes. Took you more time? Did you get frustrated trying to match it and do it? You have to be more intentional. More intentional. When you have people serving in your church in roles that they're not gifted, it's not that they can't do it, they'll be slower, they'll be more, have to be more intentional, which means it, it, it frustrates them more. They're not going to do as good a job. It takes them longer. There's just a lot of things about that. They burn out quicker. Now, I don't know, maybe your church is not like the ones I've always been around, but what happens is when we put people into something and we keep them in there and they burn out, what they generally do is they just leave the church. They just don't show back up. And all of a sudden you go like, whatever happened to the whatever family? And they're like, you know, I don't know. And what, I'm not saying this happens every time, but occasionally what has happened is that we have literally burned them out and it's not all their fault. So I'm not saying you don't burn people out in this gifted. You can do it both ways, but you get the point. So we want to put people in roles that they're gifted to do. I work, as I say, with a lot of Chick-fil-A's. And one of the things that we talked about, well, I had a Chick-fil-A, and Chick-fil-A is one of the biggest things they're known for is their drive-thru, right? Yeah. I mean, good Lord. I got the guy, coach, been coaching guy. He holds the record for Chick-fil-A, national record, the most cars in one hour, 264 cars in an hour through his drive-thru. Average Chick-fil-A will do 125, 150. They're smoking it pretty good. So I go to this... Guy, and I'm talking to this operator, and he, I say, what's, what's the deal? He said, my drive-thru stinks. I got My drive-thru is just, it's bad. So we use a similar assessment, but we use it with corporate. And so I went in, I said, okay, let's talk about this. We started looking at what, what was happening was he had a person at the cash box, they call it, where they take the money or the thing. And it was what we would call a networker or an evangelist in the spiritual gift world. And he had a person who we would have the gift of giving, or we call it an examiner in the corporate world. Uh, very analytical. Very. He had that person out at the back of the, at the front of the drive-thru trying to tell people where to go, come through. And he had this networker, evangelist guy up here taking money. Well, if you give a, an evangelist, a networker, we call it, you give them, if it's $4.91 and you give him $5 and a penny, you just freaked him out. He has no clue what in the world you just did. Mm-hmm. You've got to explain to him, I need a dime back. Well, once he gets it, he's going to laugh and think that's the greatest thing. And then every car, for the next 30 cars, he's got to say, y'all don't believe what I just did. And he's going to tell them. Well, I got cars backed up out to the four lane. So what we did is we flipped some people and moved them around. We put an examiner on the cash box. Examiners don't even like people. (laughs) They could care less. But they can add like nobody's business. 
And the networker guy was over there trying to keep everybody happy in the line. Keep, come on, come on through. And, and it, his numbers just flipped and went out the roof. That's the, exactly the example. You don't want an examiner, probably, you don't want that kind of person to be on the front of your greeter committee at the front door of your church. But there are others that you do. And so, you know, even looking at it, uh, I had a lady in the nursery. She, she came to me one day. She said, when I took the spiritual gifts thing, and she said, they want me to work in the nursery. And she said, I don't hate kids. I love kids. I just don't like to work with them. Right. Am I wrong? What should I do? They're begging. They need help. I said, let's look. We looked at it, and I, she had a, a C personality. I mean, she was uh, in the disc. She would be here, which is cautious personality. And uh, she was administrative in her her spiritual gifts. I said, what about if you started organizing? You start doing the scheduling. I said, if, if Miss Jones don't show up on Sunday and you're running the nursery, would you call her? Would you have a problem? She said, no, I wouldn't have a problem calling her at all. I'll call her right off. <laughs> I said, now my wife, my wife is an S supporter. My wife would work in the nursery 18 weeks in a row before she'd tell anybody, I'm sorry you missed. She would never bring it up. I said, so why don't you take over? And she did. And she said, man, this is awesome. I love it. I get to tell everybody what to do, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So it's just simply being where you're supposed to be and understanding. And so when they find out what their spiritual gift is and their personality and then even learning styles, if you're a teacher or if you're a pastor, let me convict you. Every sermon should have those four things in it. Oftentimes we teach or preach the way that we're wired. If I'm a read-write learner, I give you a whole bunch of stuff to write down and do. I give you 18 things that you got to write down in my sermon. Okay, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but that's just the way I've wired. The problem is the kinesthetic person needs to do something. The visual needs to see something. So just thinking about how you put together your teaching that reaches all of those there and helping you do that. Does that make sense? You see what I'm saying? So when you're talking about busting through barriers in your ministry, you, there's a lot of things you can talk about in your personal life. You've got to always think about all Satan does is bring these things up. And he never shows you these could actually all fall on this side if they were looked at in the right way, right? And so we turn ministry opportunity or obstacles into opportunities. Okay? So here's what I'm going to do. I told you we've got some giveaways. We're going to give away. Dan's got a card. So just give everybody a card, if you don't mind. If we don't have enough for everybody, if it's just, hand, just let them run down through there. Yeah, this card. So i got three of these devotionals. And then I've got one Launching Forward Leadership Academy. Burke. I said Burke. Buck. He's doing it. And some of the guys, too. So I'm giving away a whole year to somebody here tonight of, of Launching Forward. And uh, maybe it could be a blessing to you in your, in your personal life. In that, it, work, it walks you through uh, learning about this about yourself. It walks you through a personal life plan. Uh, some other things you can do. So, While you're writing, somebody give me, a, give me some takeaways from tonight. I told you I'm letting you out early, not 8.30. Didn't I tell you? Isn't that good? Y'all like me? I'm the best, out, I'm the best breakout so far. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's some takeaways you got tonight that maybe something spoke to you about busting barriers? Anybody want to tell me? Multitaskers trying to write, dude. I was just going to say the fact that some of the obstacles 
I also offer tenders. Mm. Uh, I have not really looked at it from my advance point, but you take some of the offices and turn it into them. Yeah, that's good. Most of this we know just do. That's good. Yeah, yes, sir. It's very important to have to correct people in the right spot, the right slot, doing the right yeah. thing. Get out of routine, keep it fresh. Yeah, that's good. So if there's anything that interests you in that, we'll be glad to talk to you about it. If We're also, for this week, for the GO Conference, if we're giving away a free, this database has, you can put everybody in your church in it, we're giving away a free one-year database to somebody, some church. And uh, it would be up to a $700, $699 value. So uh, we'll give that to somebody, and we'll do a drawing. And so if you are interested in that, just... Whatever, if you'll turn your name in. If you don't want to, if you, if you say, no, I don't, want, I don't care about it, just put, no, we won't put your name in there. But we're going to do that. Then for anybody, any churches that register and want to do this, we're glad to talk to you about it. We're right in the very front center as you walk in the door. Uh, we're giving away, a, it's a 10% discount for anybody. So if you choose to do that, we can help you. Dan uh, can even meet with your staff guys, help them know what to do and how to organize this. We teach them even in your church how to have kind of like recruiters. Their job, their role, is to know the ministries in your church and what giftedness needs to serve in those ministries. Make sure everybody takes this when they're new members or whatever and plugging them in to the right ministries the right way. So those are things we're glad to help you with. Okay? Thank you guys for coming. I appreciate it. And I'm going to do what no other Baptist pastor's ever done. I'm getting you out 25 minutes early. <laughs>